Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Hard to believe the end of May as we get you started on another edition of Around the Nest. Tyler Zickel from the Vancouver Canadians coming to you from Spokane Valley, Washington, where the High A Canadians are taking on the High A affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. Those are the Spokane Indians, which we'll talk about as this episode continues. But very excited for this edition of Around the Nest. We've got a newcomer making his debut in double A and, of course, the esteemed fourth voice of the Buffalo Bisons in the modern era, Pat Malacaro. Pat, good day to you. As always, we start at the top rung of the ladder. We are all trying to manifest our way up through the system, and we all look up to you, my friend. Welcome back. Good to chat with you, Tyler. As as many miles apart as we are, it's uh, good to see you and chat with you as always, and uh, uh, happy to see that good things are happening throughout the organization. It has been a much better month of May, up and down, and specifically for your Bisons. As you check in from Allentown, PA, midst of a road trip taking on the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Uh, I learned this late last night when I was putting together our show rundown. Six Semper Tyrannis, really? John Wilkes Booth's famous motto is also the city motto for Allentown. So uh, what a way to start. Yeah, it's uh, quite an interesting setup here in Lehigh Valley. always love coming to this ballpark. Um, there's usually a, a big crowd. We had a kids' day game here on Tuesday. Unfortunately, the Bisons couldn't hold their lead. But um, you talk about a team that's really finding its stride right now. Two of the top five in on-base percentage in the league here in the International League, Rafael Antigua and Spencer Horwitz, both leading uh, at the top of the order. So one of the reasons why the Bisons have been so successful the last three weeks since the last time we talked is because so many uh, have been getting on base. And sure, it's, it's fun when you have those walk-off victories and uh, it's always exciting when you can can pull out those uh, last minute heroics, but really it's been a team putting in the effort uh, offensively that has, has really carried the way and has allowed the pitching to to kind of find its footing the last week or so. Let's go micro before we go macro. I want to talk about the fun you have last night a big romp also some great success from Yasper Zulueta after giving up a run in the first he gets his first triple a win if my memory serves me well Jimmy Burnett seeing some action that's fantastic and then we can zoom out and talk about the Mayflowers that have bloomed after the April showers but what was fun about last night's game a lot of what you just mentioned but also Bowden Francis coming off the injured list and making the start for the first time in nearly two months and he looked like the Bowden Francis that pitched to 10 victories across his time in Nashville and, and with the herd in 2021. Uh, you know, last year really was a stumbling block for, for Bowden. Uh, but in spring training this year, he pitched so well, mid to upper 90s fastball with some good breaking stuff. That's what we saw yesterday. That he felt really good after the start. He was dealing with a little bit of an arm, arm issue on, on his pitching arm uh, that kept him on the shelf since April the 8th. So uh, to see him pitch well yesterday, you mentioned the AAA debut for Jimmy Burnett uh, pitched so well. Yos Rizulueta. Look, he's going to be in a bulk role now. He's not necessarily going to be a starter, but two to three innings, uh, middle of the of the uh, of the game type of guy. Something that the Blue Jays probably really want to see going forward uh, from a lot of their pitchers uh, if they're going to make their major league debut or stick in the big leagues. And with the fastball and the breaking stuff and the consistency of Zulueta last night, something that he's really going to have to figure out uh, if he wants to put together a couple of appearances back to back to back 
and, you know, give the Blue Jays something to think about because if you look at his season so far, it's been very inconsistent. And maybe you're going to see that out of somebody still in their early 20s. Uh, but I'm sure certainly the Blue Jays think yesterday was a good step forward and something Zulueta can build off of. What do you think has been the key to success this month of May? I think everybody was frustrated in April and certainly not playing to the level of talent that was on the roster for the Bisons. Of course, awful start to the year in terms of the weather. That's going to throw anybody for a loop. In fact, we saw it a little bit for the Canadians in high A as well. What's been the key to success in May where things really have turned around? You see the Bisons and the top five in the International League in a lot of offensive categories, most notably batting average. As tired as that stat may be in 2023, good barometer of some success. It is. And I think the team is playing all around better baseball. And I think, you know, the fundamentals really play into um, how, how you, you know, don't give team extra outs. And we've seen when the Bisons have lost games recently, it's because they're committing three, four, five errors in a game and they're allowing the other team to get extra opportunities. When the Bisons aren't giving up errors, uh, it's quite simple to say they're, they're not allowing the team extra opportunities because it's allowed the pitching, as I kind of mentioned, you know, the pitching has fin- finally found its way um, in terms of not just the bullpen, but, you know, Casey Lawrence every five days has given you five or six innings. Now Zach Thompson, who is scheduled to start as we record this tonight, uh, he's going five or six innings in appearance. Drew Hutchison won each of his two starts last week. So now that you're getting consistent starting pitching, the bullpen, the bulk relievers don't have to throw every two days, every other day, back-to-back, whatever. And I think you're seeing a fresher bullpen and a fresher pitching staff and then the offense has found its legs. Uh, a lot of guys we talked about in the first month of the year who had a cup of coffee in AAA last year, and uh, Trevor Schwecky, somebody just brought up from AA uh, yesterday, appeared in 19 games with the Bison at the end of last year. He, Davis Schneider, Edison Barger, you know, they were going to be counted on to be big presences in the Bison's lineup this year. Well, Barger's been injured for about a month now, and uh, he's hoping to be back with Buffalo very soon. But Davis Schneider has been a revelation. Uh, with now nine home runs on the season, he and Spencer Horwitz have really tagged up to be the three, four guys in the batting order. And that's a formidable punch when you add somebody who, for Spencer, he now has more walks already this, this year with Buffalo in about two-thirds the amount of games he had last year. So it's not only that his batting average is good, his on-base percentage is almost 100 points better, and his OPS is better than last year. He's seeing the ball a lot better at the plate, and that has allowed guys in front of him and behind him to get aboard, to be cashed in, and then it's the cumulative effect of allowing other guys to kind of find their legs as he's helping lead the middle of the offense. It sounds like Spencer Horwitz is going back to his 2021 form when he was with Vancouver in high A. He set the Northwest League record with a 28-game hitting streak, walked a whole bunch, and was named the team, or I should say the league's most exciting big league prospect coming out of nowhere. And then, of course, that all kind of started things for him 2022 that breakout season a ranked prospect now a stalwart in AAA, and it seems like his approach is going back to taking pitches and really trusting his discerning batter's eye where in 2022 perhaps the emphasis had been a little bit more on take those big hacks use the power that he has with his good frame but now it seems like from an up to a down to a middle he's getting the best of both worlds we're seeing a shift and we've seen it for years where you're not expecting your first baseman to necessarily hit 25, 30 home runs or more in the big league. We're seeing, uh, you know, I can go back to guys like Robbie Telez. We're now having very good offensive years in the big leagues, but you know, here with, with the Bisons, Robbie Telez is more like a gap to gap guy. He added 10, 12 home runs. Sure. But uh, the power came later. So for Spencer, 
I think just getting aboard and that new type of, you know, not looking at position players the way we used to um, is really important and getting on base and giving your team an opportunity because look, he's probably not going to be a three, four, five guy easily immediately in the big league. He might be a back of your um, starting lineup, seven, eight, nine. If he's getting on base, well, then he's setting the table for the guys at the top of the order again who are going to be able to drive him in. So you want that guy to get on base, whether it's at first, he'll get a start in left field tonight. We've seen him play the outfield a little bit. Again, reimagining a little bit the way you may look at your, uh, your players traditionally, and that really benefits Horwitz uh, and, and what he brings to the table. Speaking of guys bringing things to the table, Rafael Antigua has brought appetizer, main course, and dessert each and every night to the proverbial table for the Bisons. I mean, we saw him in high A Vancouver two years ago when the team was playing out of Hillsborough. Very solid, but not an everyday guy. And, you know, when you get your everyday opportunities, your talent is going to emerge. And that seems to be the case for Rafael Antigua. He has played his way into a top-of-the-order stalwart and a guy who you can lean on to really do a little little bit of everything, including steal home. And I think that is kind of what this Bison team is, that they are a team that, yes, there's some top prospects that will be here and there throughout the course of the season, but there are a lot of scrappy players. I mentioned David Schneider, Rafael Antigua. You know, these guys have had to work and earn everything they have, every success they've had, they've had to earn it. They've had to earn it the hard way. So I think having Lantigua at the top of the order, he's walked eight times already in this series, had a three-for-three three day at the plate yesterday, in addition to his walks. And you mentioned the straight steal of home where both he and Jake McGuigan, who are watching the, the left-handed reliever, Jacob Hernandez, on the mound, saw slow movement to the plate, saw that he wasn't paying any attention to Lantigua. The way that Devon White last year had Lantigua, oh, by the way, had a straight steal of home last year as well. Those are the things that Devon White was seeing last year and would impress on the young players. And now Jake McGuigan, who is coaching over at third, kind of learning under what, what kind of what Devo was teaching last year. And now into his third year here with the Bisons has been a valuable resource now coaching at third base. So another guy who has had to work and work for everything that he's earned so far. Um, and really, I think this Bison team takes on that mentality of, look, we're going to have to go earn everything we, we have. We may not win this first half because we're in such a deep hole and Norfolk has such a big lead. But if we can make a run at the start of the second half, set ourselves in a, up in a good position, we could be right in there for that second half championship and be playing for the IL crown overall. So I think Lantigua really, uh, you know, really exemplifies uh, what this Bison team is, really is this year. We have some exciting game-changing speed and base-running instincts at just about every level of the full-season ladder. You see it in Double A with Stuart Baroa and in High A, Desan Brown, who really had a breakout 2022. He's among Northwest League leaders with stolen bases, so a guy who is letting his speed emerge despite a slow start to his season here with the Canadians. A guy who's not necessarily known for his speed, Pat, but known for his bat and really just his overall ability to be that tenacious out is Tanner Morris, somebody who's had kind of stops and starts in AAA. He was great with the C's in high A in 2021. He was, in fact, postseason all-star. 2022 with the Fisher Cats and a little bit of cup of coffee in AAA. Saw some stuff, but he's been hurt, and the bat hadn't been there. But of late, he seems to really be coming out of it. Yeah, another player that really struggled in April at one point was on the development list for about a week, and uh, I'm sure the doubt started to creep into his mind of, you know, where is this going to go for me in the future? But he's now riding an 11-game hitting streak. And a left-handed bat that can go at the top of the order, you can bring him in, at the bottom of the card. Uh, he can play all over the place. 
uh, on the diamond as well. So uh, in the one thing that going into last year, when right before he came to Buffalo, the thing he kept hearing was he's very cerebral, something you'd expect out of somebody from the University of Virginia. We saw that with Ernie Clement, uh, who was one of the most prolific um, you know, eyes at the plate in his college career. Tanner Morris kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of plate selection and really good on base percentage uh, in his time at the other levels of the organization. We're starting to see that that pitch selection a lot better for Morris this year and not that, since coming off the development list. A lot of guys got right at the end of that Gwinnett series and have been able to catapult that into a strong May and certainly hitting uh, at one point in like the 380s this month, Morris was. And I think in the 11 game hitting streak, he's three, hitting three, 387 right now, 378. So uh, the, the, the results are there. And I think the familiarity, the one thing we've talked about is a lot of guys that spent time last year in double A, well, they're back with Matt Haig this year, the Bison's hitting coach. And I think Corey Hart did a great job. And, and I, I don't throw that word about lightly. He did a great job here uh, over his three seasons with the Bisons. I think now Matt Haig, uh, having worked up through the levels with a lot of these players, the familiarity that he has and the ability for him to see certain things or tell a player, hey, I think this approach worked better when, when you did it like this, has really been a steadying influence for guys that may have really hit the panic button and not found a way out of it. I think having that, that comfort level with Matt Haig really has allowed them to not hit panic all that hard and, and not really press too much uh, when things seem like they're not going to get better. Leave it to me to ask you this, but is Tanner Morris still coming up to mountain music? He is, yeah. Classic. Crozet, Virginia's finest. Play me that mountain music. Gosh, Tanner oh, yeah. Morris. Shout out hey. to Timo. Uh, we go from the plate to the mound. I pay attention to Bison's baseball, but uh, not dialed in every single night. And two names that really jumped out for me from the pitching staff are names I didn't really know. Kyle Johnston and Paul Fry. A couple of guys seemingly new finds for the Blue Jays and having terrific months of May. Yeah, for Kyle Johnston, look, he's somebody who's been around the organization ever since being acquired for Daniel Hudson in 2019 and really struggled last year. He had a breakout 2021 with New Hampshire, came up to Buffalo at the end of the season in mid-August. I have to kind of reset my, my thinking of when the end of the season is, so I apologize. But, you know, came up in, in late August and pitched almost lights out. A couple of victories, sub-2 ERA last year at the start of the season, was, was back at that form, but really struggled. And I think somebody that was trying to find his way over the second half of last year, started the year on the injured list, really just wasn't right in spring training this year, took some time, and – the stuff isn't as electric maybe as it used to be. Um, and I don't want, I don't mean to sound negative, but um, the fastball used to live 94 to 96. Now it's sitting 92 to 93, but I think he's a better pitcher. And I think that's one thing Kyle Johnston has figured out is, okay, if I don't have that blow away stuff and my breaking stuff is have to, having to be that much better, my changeup is going to have to be a dominant pitch. How am I going to be able to pitch instead of throw? And I think that's what we've seen in this limited time so far coming off the IL, and um, that has just mean, meant very good things for this Bison bullpen. And you mentioned Paul Fry. Look, I think he's one of these veteran relievers. He's got a lot of big league time with Baltimore, a little bit of time with Arizona last year, but almost all of it came through the Orioles organization. He's a lefty who can solidify the back of the bullpen. You, you have guys like him, Jay Jackson, Alfred Thomas Hatch, even though he's been an or guy, uh, an organizational guy for several years now after you know coming over in the Cubs trade. You've got a lot of veteran pitchers who can potentially come up now Paul Fry's not on the 40 man but you can make a spot for him if you need a lefty in the bullpen 
because he's just he's had one bad outing really recently. Um, and it kind of well, it's one of those where you, you threw good pitches, just the results weren't there, and you move on from it. Uh, but he's been a guy who was four for four and save opportunities before this week. And I think when you talk about the veteran depth that can help at the big league level, that's exactly what the Blue Jays saw in Paul Fry this offseason, and he has definitely delivered in spades. You bring up a great point, Pat, talking about big league contributions, guys who can make that jump. And I think it's the perfect time for Buffalo to have turned the corner this month of May as the big league club goes through their biggest struggles that they've gone through in John Schneider's tenure. I saw a stat, I think, yesterday about how their winning percentage in the month of May was maybe the worst May winning percentage in Blue Jays franchise history. So now is the time for these Bisons to turn this corner and to be performing as they've been performing over these last few weeks because now Big League Club might need some help. Right, and it could come in the form of Tyler Heineman right now who's on the taxi squad because Danny Jansen doing with an injury that he suffered the other day. And again, it's different organizations have different needs depending on where their big league club sit. And going into this year, we all know why Gabriel Moreno was traded for Dalton Varsho. The Blue Jays had a need in the outfield. Gabby may still be a year or so away from being an everyday catcher behind the plate. And when you already have Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk, well, that is, that's the fit you're going to have a catcher. So adding guys like Tyler Heineman, Rob Brantley, even Stevie Berman, here as catchers this year, that veteran depth that you can rely on for Brantley. You know, he's been in the big leagues and AAA for, for a lot of his tenure. So it's it's having that depth here where other teams, they may be more prospect-heavy like Norfolk. You look at them, you know, setting the world on fire this year. They haven't had a prospect pool like this in forever because that's what their organization has been building towards. We've already seen those prospects come through. You've seen them come through. I have. Tyler Murray has seen them. Leo, everybody has seen them come through already. So now this is a more veteran-heavy team that has really needed uh, the ability to call to Buffalo, and whether it's Jay Jackson, Thomas Hatch, Nate Pearson, who's now you know th- consistently throwing the way he did in spring training uh, in the past couple of years. That's what the Blue Jays needed here in AAA, and uh, the Bisons, have, their roster has kind of changed over the last couple of years because of those needs. And scary to think Jackson Holiday is coming for Norfolk uh, down the road. Right. So. We'll cross that bridge when we get there for the rest of us uh, rooting on the Bisons in the International League. St. Paul coming to town next week as you return to Salem Field, Pat. And also, the ABS system is coming to Buffalo. What is the early take from the roster as far as you know? And what's your thoughts about ABS arriving in AAA? So for folks that don't know, there's two different ABS systems in play. Tuesday through Thursday is the, the quote, robot, the full ABS, where the Hawkeye system calls the balls and strikes. The umpire has an earpiece in. And he still barks out strike or, or ball, but he gets the information from the ABS. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the umpire calls the game. The team gets three challenges. And if you're successful, you keep it. If you get the challenge wrong, then you lose it for the rest of the game. I think Major League Baseball, the, the common theme is Major League Baseball is trying to figure out which of the two systems is right for the majors, if not next year, certainly two years from now. And early returns, the challenge system really marries the human element of the game that we've like baseball I, I know it's a it's a, it's a it's a game that is steeped in tradition in some ways uh you know too much so in that they don't want to change with the times but i think the challenge system is the way that most expect or envision things to go in the future because look the the strike zone is the strike zone it should be uniform but when you've come through the game for so long and you you have the human element of 
you know, the, the, a quarter inch here or there and a, a little bit on the top of the zone or the bottom of the zone, that makes a difference. And the other thing I've, I've noticed is the umpires are getting it right more often than they're not. And the umpire, and it's very few and far between that a team is getting a lot of successful challenges because an umpire is getting so many wrong. Um, so I think that, you know, the human element of it and pitchers are throwing a lot more pitches when it's the full ABS game because you don't get that extended corner, whether you think that's right or wrong. I think the challenge system is the way that uh, most have, have um, gravitated towards. And I think that is the way that um, going forward, Major League Baseball will probably look at that to be uh, the solution uh, if they decide to go ABS in the future. I'm glad you bring up that point, Pat, about baseball being a game steeped in tradition and history, but we can't allow that to get in the way of evolving with the times and with the audience. It's an entertainment business. What I've been telling people who've been asking us in high A about how we feel about the pitch clock and the bases and all these changes. Look, at the end of the day, we're in the entertainment business. This is an attention economy, to borrow a cliche phrase that has become de rigueur over the last 10 years or so. We've got to get new eyes on this game if we want the game to grow so we can't be clutching our flannel jerseys and sharpened metal spikes and our greenies uh, all the way into, <laughs> into perpetuity. So an opportunity for the game to figure out ways to really step into this next generation of fandom and of baseball uh, with its head and its chest held high and doing so trying to get ahead of some of these other changes in sports and in their entertainment. Uh, wrapping up with you, Pat, I want to talk about the at par promotion that Buffalo does. Of course, proximity to the border is terrific. Great opportunity for Blue Jays fans to see those future Blue Jays at Salem Field. How does the at par promotion work? I should know living in Canada myself these days, but just straight from the horse's mouth, let's hear it. Yes, for a couple of more days here is through the end of May, you can go to bisons.com if you purchase any single game ticket. Doesn't have to be for the games through May. It can be for any game the rest of the season. Use the promo code Welcome Back, and that'll give you a percentage discount, basically equal to the the exchange rate right now. So uh, if you want to come to a game in July or August, maybe you're a big Scranton Wilkes-Barre, you want to see the Rail Riders come to town in in July, you can buy your tickets, your single game tickets now. Use the promo code Welcome Back and get the Canadian at par. Or if you're coming down to Salem Field between now and May 31st. Um, you have to use Canadian cash. We're unable to do uh, the, the balance transfer based on uh, credit cards. We have to be in cash. But, again, you can buy your single-game tickets for any game. Star Wars Night is coming up next Saturday, June the 3rd. Uh, that's our 14th annual uh, Star Wars Night, which uh, should end up being a sellout, but still plenty of tickets available right now. So if you want to join us for that, if you want to cross the border, maybe you're going to be in Buffalo for the day anyway, bring Canadian cash. We'll exchange it at par at, at the box office. Um, and again, that's through May 31st, but it can be for any game ticket. The rest of the season does not have to be for one of the uh, next two games in May. Get out those loonies and toonies. They got you covered at Salem Field. Returning home next week, taking on St. Paul. Then you go on the road to Toledo and return home to take on Syracuse the 13th of June through the 18th. What should we expect in this month of June, Pat, as we wrap things up? And as always, please tell us how we can find your broadcasts. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to go back to Toledo for the first time in four years. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. You can find us at bisons.com. Um, we have the game streaming always on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Uh, for those of you that may be in an Odyssey-affiliated uh, network, just search the Bet 1520. Uh, that is the radio station, uh, 1520 AM in Western New York, the 50,000-watt flamethrower. Uh, maybe you're listening in Southern Maryland. Uh, you, you can usually pick us up on a, on a clear night in, in the summer. So, But again, you can find us on the Odyssey app. Uh, Duke McGuire and I, I have a lot of fun at our home games throughout the summer and 
if, if you're tuning in, uh, I always love to hear from you. So you can always send me a tweet as well at Pat WGR and tell me where you're listening from. And I uh, will certainly uh, mention it on the air. The dulcet tones of Pat and Duke taking over the entire Northeast. We love it. Pat, thanks as always. Cheers to a great finish there in Lehigh Valley. We'll speak to you again two weeks from now as you join us from Toledo. Looking forward to getting your hot takes from Toledo for your first time there in over four years. But Pat, as always, cheers to you. Go Bisons and Arrivederci. (laughs) Thanks, Pat. Let's take care. That's Pat Malacaro from AAA Buffalo and now making his Around the Nest debut, joining us live from Hadlock Field in the forest city of Portland, Maine, Gareth Kwok. Gareth, good day. Double A New Hampshire, you're doing your thing. First year with the Fisher Cats. First and foremost, please introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of your background. How did you find your way to the Eastern League? Yeah, Tyler, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm Gareth Kwok, and uh, as you said, first year with the Fisher Cats and uh was previously the broadcasting community and public relations assistant for the Frederick Keys, formerly the, the high affiliate of the Orioles, currently now in the MLB Draft League. But uh, this is my fourth season in uh, calling baseball. But first, you could say in affiliated baseball, and it, it's been everything I, I could have expected so far, just getting to you know get to see some future big leaguers and, of course, a, a great organization in Toronto. And so just happy to be here. And I did hear this episode will help me develop my my wings and spread and fly. Is that is that how it goes? I suppose, but uh, that's how but it we'll goes. See how I do. We're all clutchlings here, myself included. Even though it is uh, my sixth season in the Blue Jays system, Pat's been doing it for even longer. Uh, Leo has been a Blue Jays fan by hook or by crook. I, maybe since out the womb, I actually haven't asked Leo Mui, our producer, how long he's been a Jays fan, but that would be my assumption. Uh, and so for you, Gareth, uh, this week in Hadlock so far. Kind of a heartbreaker. Walk-off loss. Uh, the guy who hit the walk-off for the Sea Dogs, the Red Sox affiliate, hit two home runs on his birthday. Then you had a solid start from Sam Robertson, but things just didn't go his way. It didn't go the Cats' way in a daytime loss. What's been going on this week for the Fisher Cats, who are hovering right around 500 these days? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's been about, you know, 500 baseball. They, they never get too hot. They never get too cold. It seems like they're kind of just hovering up, you know, around, you know, floating around, you could say. But, um yeah, I was going to say, because uh, Portland and New Hampshire, are, these first eight games against each other, uh, Portland came in and took four of six, that first homestand, but they were all very close games. And I went back and checked and eight games so far between New Hampshire and Portland, seven of them have been decided by just two runs or less. So they've all been very, you know, close contested games, great pitching. And at the end, there's kind of just one big swing or one big play that eventually determines the game. Uh, and this week it's been Portland with the, with the home run ball with, as you mentioned, Steven Scott with two home runs uh, on his 26th birthday, I believe. And uh, it just so happens, you know, on, on the final strike, he's down to his final strike, Troy Watson, who's been, uh, you know, pitching, been pitching very well throughout most of the season. And, you know, it, it, it's a tough pill to swallow. And then Sam Reversa, who's uh, done a, a very uh, good job uh, yesterday um, in, in the daytime start. And he's one out of the way from getting through six strong. And then he gives up the home run to Sedan Rafaela. So they've become awfully close, Tyler, to getting past, you know, just kind of that one little hiccup. And uh, it turns out they're on the wrong side of the result, unfortunately. Let's stick with the pitching. There's been some really excellent pitching for the Cats, Watson and Robertson included, but Chad Dallas. I obviously, I have a very selfish interest in this because Chi spent all of last year with us in high A Vancouver and started the season with us again here in 2023. 
lights out. I mean, Cheese was overcooked in high A. He was long overdue for the promotion. Of course, other moves have to happen to make room. And so he gets called up. In fact, he won Northwest League Pitcher of the Week to start the month of May with six strong. And he goes up to New Hampshire and has his career best outing. I believe, what, seven scoreless, two, two hits and nine strikeouts to earn Eastern League Pitcher of the Week in his debut? Uh, you hit right on the nail in seven innings, which apparently that's his career long. He had never gone six innings at the, in his pro career uh, until his double A debut. So uh, Steve and I, we were there and we were certainly treated to, to cheese uh, on uh, last Friday. But uh, as you mentioned, just um, the, the stuff that he brings with the, you know, the mid nineties fastball, the slider seemed to be really clicking for Dallas. And, you know, he had a, it looked like he had a power curveball. It was like hovering in the mid to high eighties or something like that. So I couldn't even determine whether it was a slider or if it was his curveball. It was just so, it was so nasty, but you know, and, and talking with Cesar Martin too about it on the pregame show, it was just like, Cesar, I mean, what'd you make of, of cheese and, and Chad? And he was like, man, that, that guy was dominant on, on Friday. So it was very much an impressive debut. I'm sure, you know, set the bar very high of course for himself, but I think that's what a lot of, um, you know, those inside the or- organization, the system were anticipating to see and, uh, you know, we, we're hoping to see that he continues that success moving forward the rest of the way with the Fisher Cats. Cheese does seem to have a penchant for winning uh, League Pitcher of the Week honors in his first start at the level. It happened last year in his pro debut for the season in April. He won Northwest League Pitcher of the Week. As we mentioned, he got it again in May this year. In fact, the Canadians have won each of the last three Northwest League Pitcher of the Week awards. It was Dallas the first week of May. Then you had Trenton Wallace, the lefty, who actually took the loss here in Spokane last night, had his roughest start of the year, still went five innings for the sixth time in seven tries, only gave up three runs really solid again and matched the season high with eight strikeouts and then a guy drafted out of Long Beach State last year Devereaux Harrison former dirtbag he was last week's Northwest League pitcher of the week for five shutout frames against Tri-City as part of Vancouver's two-week road trip which we'll get to a little bit later another guy Gareth who's been very good on the mound and somebody who we've certainly been waiting on to get good is Adam Kloffenstein, somebody who at one time was a top pitching prospect for the Blue Jays and is still considered a guy with a very high ceiling, just 22 years old. But it feels like he's been around forever because he pitched twice in Vancouver, then again in high A, back with the Fisher Cats this year after making his double A debut in 2022. What's been working for Kloffenstein from your perspective? From my perspective, it, it to me the command has been much improved from Cloth, from and especially with you know the slider and and his cutter, and it's just been breaking with with great break, and he, he loves to throw it to left-handed batters, especially towards that back foot, and you know these hitters are are flailing and they're they're off balance, and so you can tell that he's been relying on that pitch a lot to get swings and misses, and uh, just the way he's. I've been impressed with I've been impressed with the way he's bounced back after his first couple starts where he gave up five earned runs total in those first two starts. And now he's given up five earned runs in, in his last six starts. So he's just been really, uh, you know, finding a way to locate the ball well, get swings and misses. And then when he does get into trouble, you know, just staying composed and, and finding a way to, to get out of it and not trying to be perfect. Let your defense help out. And if the strikeout comes, the strikeout comes. And, you know, talking to him a couple of weeks ago about, hey, what do you feel like has been that kind of switch for you, that change? And he felt like last year at double A, he was trying to be a little bit, you know, too perfect. He was trying to do everything, you know, pinpoint all the spots perfectly, get through everything just kind of, you know, at an unreasonable, you know, expectation. Now he's just kind of relaxing himself down, calming himself down 
and just letting himself throw. And I feel like that's become, we've seen it. He just looks more loose. He looks more free. The command is there. The swings and misses are there. And, you know, he's been pitching lights out really these last, uh, you know, five or six weeks. How about some bullpen guys who might be pitching free and lights out of late? Well, it's been fun to to watch Hagen Danner ever since he uh, came on in uh, earlier at the first week of this month uh, after the, the rehab assignment in Dunedin and uh, just, I mean, lights out with a power arm, you know, mid 90, mid to high nineties, fastball, the slider got a big curveball as well. Uh, he, you know, started off his first uh, five outings or so without giving up a run. Um, Luis Quinones is another guy who's sort of been a veteran with the Fisher cats, but Q has been just doing what Q does. He just, you know, in this year, especially as well, you know, making that switch from the rotation in 2022 to now really being exclusively a reliever. Um, but I feel like that's helped him just in a way settle down and he's getting a lot of swings and misses with his splitter and the command's been good as well with Quinones. And so he's just one of those guys where you, you feel like he's, he could be ready to make that bump up to AAA. He already made, I think, uh, a weekend stint there. So he's, I think, definitely been been uh, been showing off very well. And uh, and uh, the bullpen, the pitching has been a big reason why the Fisher Cats have been able to kind of stay afloat, you could say. Let's transition to the plate. No update from AA New Hampshire is complete with talking without talking about Arelvis Martinez, who in the last two weeks is batting 286 with seven home runs and an OPS of 1.198. Now, much has been said about Arelvis's inability to post batting average. Obviously, the the slugging is there. The power is very much there, but the strikeout numbers have been too high. In fact, you see it in the prospect reports coming from the big leagues. Guys like Keegan Matheson, you know, the beat writer for the Blue Jays, writing about how Orelvis has certainly had the power continue to develop, but the hitting for average has been trailing behind. But of late, it seems like O has started to really hit more for average while maintaining that power stroke. Yeah, he had a, a big stretch uh, from, from May 10th to the 17th. He had seven home runs in six games. Uh, I mean, he treated Reading First Energy Stadium like it was Coors Field. <laughs> I mean, he was anytime he stepped into the batter's box, you were just wondering what this guy was going to do and whether it was going to be, you know, going, he was going to go the right field or straightaway center. If he was going to pull it, you know, and show off his power. Seven home runs in, the, in those six games with 13 RBIs. He had a five RBI game during that stretch. And and like you said, I think the average, of course, is what, you know, a lot are sort of looking at, you know, under 200. But, you know, the home runs and 12 of his 20 hits have been home runs. And so whenever the guy can put the I think that's just the question if he can make more consistent contact, because when he does, it goes a long way. It's loud. You can tell. And so for Aureldis Martinez, we're just hoping to see whether he can continue to yeah, make more consistent contact. If he can lay off the off speed, it looks like a lot of pitchers are trying to get him to swing and miss on breaking pitches, try and pitch him backwards. And as of late, the last four games, he's drawn a walk. So he's starting to, you know, pick up a little bit of the off speed and maybe chase, not chase the pitches that he was chasing the first couple of weeks of the season. So that's been something to note as well. And easy to forget about his youth, a guy who has been challenged by Toronto and certainly has found ways to make an impact 
despite some of the struggles. And for context, his 12 home runs, of course, leading your ball club there in AA New Hampshire. The team leaders in High A Vancouver are Kay Doty, a second-round pick last year out of LSU, and Alex DeJesus, who was part of that trade for uh, Mitch White that brought him over from the Dodgers last year. Those two guys have four home runs. So that's the team leader here in Vancouver, four home runs for DeJesus and Doty, 12 home runs for Arelvos Martinez. Now, on the batting average side, you wake up this morning, Miguel Geraldo batting 275. Now, we saw Miggy here all last season in high AA. The batting average never got that high in May. And Geraldo is a, another guy that had, had a stretch where he had an eight-game hit streak, and he was finding holes through the defense. He was showcasing a little bit of power as well in the Reading series, showing off the opposite field home run and the opposite field power and what he can showcase. So there, there's going to be times where, you know, he's still young. He's swinging and missing at the off speed, and that's just going to come with time. And with more experience, more at-bats, you know, you're going to pick up the sliders. You're going to pick up the curveballs and change-ups and eventually lay off. But you can tell from already when this guy puts the, you know, the bat on the ball that he can – it's solid contact, and it can get through. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a fly ball or if it's a line drive, hard ground ball. You know, he's finding different ways to put the ball in play and get on base and – Definitely a guy where you could see, you know, 20 plus home run power, even more 25 plus home run power as he continues to grow into his frame. And so I think it's just another case of he's getting valuable experience at the double A level, facing good pitching, but he's also showing glimpses of what he can do when he's at his best. A new addition coming your way. In fact, we sent him fresh to you from Spokane's Avista Stadium the other night. Riley Tirada, which was the corresponding move for Trevor Schwecki getting the call up to AAA Buffalo, which we heard from Pat giving his Bisons updates. We haven't seen Riley yet make his debut for the Fisher Cats, but from what you've heard just in the early goings, Gareth, I'm going to make you go out on a limb here. Where do you see Riley Tirada, who finished his tenure in Vancouver, batting north of 300, was among league leaders in extra base hits, was a guy who also found his way on that league leaderboard in the Northwest League for slugging percentage and OPS, also sneaky's fast. He had five steals before he got promoted, and a guy who can play both corner infield positions quite well. What are some of the rumblings for how Riley's going to affect the Fisher Cats? Well, as you said, I mean, corner infield is, seems like a perfect spot for him right now, given Schwecky was playing a lot of a corner infield. He's playing some second base, even shortstop at times, too. And with, uh, you know, Luis De Los Santos being promoted to Buffalo a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, Aurelvis has been playing a lot of shortstop these last couple of weeks, leaving third base open. So it just seems like a, a, a logical fit for Tirada to to fit in and, and just be an impact with his bat, which seeing the numbers already with Vancouver – already very encouraging signs from, you know, 2022 when he had a couple stints on the injured list to now, you know, staying healthy and being able to hit over 300 there. And if he can translate that to an offense for the Fisher cats that it certainly, you know, it has had its ups and downs. There's home runs here and there. There's also times there's 10, 11 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts. So if he can certainly stabilize just that lineup and provide, you know, a presence there, I think will certainly help Cesar Martin, certainly help hitting coach Mitch Huckabee and for the Fisher Cats. As we wrap up with you, Gareth, before we talk about how we can tune into your broadcast, and I have one little surprise question for you as well. What are some guys, or who are some guys, to use the proper English, that maybe we haven't talked about yet in this episode who deserve a little bit of shine for AA New Hampshire? I think the first name that, that comes to mind, Stuart Baroa. Stuart's been a guy that uh, has been uh, lighting up the base paths. He's top five in steals right now. Just picked up his 16th steal 
on uh, on Thursday in Portland. And just a guy, well, and besides the high energy, just a, a great guy to, to be around and talk to. But, you know, from seeing him in center field and the way not only can he do what he can do on the base pass, but defensively, I mean, he can cover as much ground as anybody in the Eastern League when it comes to chasing fly balls and towards the gaps. And his two-strike approach as well, where he really seems to shorten up and at least just put the ball in play, put pressure on the defense. We know what he can do with his speed. And if he just puts the ball in play, that makes defenders, you know, have to have to pick up, you know, the internal clock a little bit and an extra second or two, knowing that it's Stuart Baroa. This guy is fast. I got to get the ball quickly. And, you know, there's been times where Stewart's been able to beat some infield hits. He's been able to force some errors from the, de- from the defense. So, and not to mention a couple of home runs too. He's got three home runs. So he has a little bit of pop. He can do a little bit of everything. Um, but just that speed already is a big, I think, thing that makes it makes him uh, a guy that, you know, under the radar, but you should keep an eye out for him. Did you hear about how he would participate in Vancouver's Dancing Grounds crew at Rogers Field and at Bailey Stadium last year? Had you heard that story? I don't think so. I will send you a great photo that I am keeping in our back pocket here in high A to post on Stewart's birthday, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, I believe, in early June. But you speak about how he plays the game with such passion and is a guy who is so easy to talk to. He is a lightning rod in the clubhouse. A noticeable difference when he got injured down the stretch last year for the season, couldn't participate in the postseason. I feel like that was a big hinge on which the later part of Vancouver's season swung. And maybe there's an opportunity for them to rally in that Northwest League Championship Series a season ago instead of getting swept in three games. So, Stewart, very much a difference maker. But in Vancouver, we do the Dancing Grounds crew, one of the few minor league hijinks that we do on Ontario Street. And Stu, on his way out to center field, they're dancing at shortstop. He just starts picking up the choreography. It was to a Backstreet Boys song, and he just starts moving his hips, waving his arms in the air like he just doesn't care. A guy who (laughs) understands it's a game, and yes, it's a job. It deserves to be taken seriously. You need to be able to give your all. But I sat down with him last year in about July and had a 15-minute interview with him about how he views his role. He views what the game means, not just to him, but and not just to his country, but also to the world and how he views his unique role in that. And it really warms my heart to hear that it's the same Stuart Baroa who's now doing his thing in double A. He's the same Stuart Baroa. Every time I talk to him, he's got a big smile on his face. He's always asking, what, how's it going, man? You know, it's just it, that's just the guy he is. And it translates to his play. He looks like he's having so much fun out there. You know, he's he's doing his dances anytime he makes a, you know, a fly ball, he gets on base. So it's definitely, I think, you know, a guy you want to you want on your team and every team, I think, can use a Stuart Baroa. I think he's got a bright future ahead has already certainly been a bright light up and down the Blue Jays system and maybe the sweetest slider that I've ever seen. He's got the coolest (laughs) and smoothest slides, whether it's into home, into second, just a guy who's got so much swagoo, as the kids say. Uh, I'm first team steward Barua. Now, Gareth, before we let you get ready for your game tonight at Hadlock Field, I have to know, have you had a sea dog biscuit yet? I have not had a sea dog biscuit yet. Is that is that on the is on the bucket list? It's got to be. It's uh, you know, it's just a chocolate chip cookie ice cream sandwich. 
sandwich, but it just feels like that oh. that Hadlock Field, such a special place. I really enjoyed going there. I uh, had a lot of great calls in that building, in that booth that you're in right now. I remember John Birdie, who's now in the big leagues with the Marlins, hit for the natural cycle at Hadlock Field. So single, double, triple homer, all in order. That was a terrific memory. They fill that place in vacation land. The vibes are high, despite a couple of losses this week. I know the boys are enjoying themselves. I watched a couple of former Fisher Cats or former Canadian current Fisher Cats Instagram stories. <laughs> PK Morris, Phil Clark, Hagen Danner, those guys are enjoying themselves this week uh, in Portland and certainly hoping that you're able to do the same. But get that Sea Dog biscuit. And uh, are they still serving media meals in the box? And they're bringing you the box. Yes, lunch yes, every time? It, yep, yep. A couple of hot dogs uh, a couple of days ago when we had the six o'clock game. It's a uh, you know good old fashioned potato chips. So you know it's it's they they have not changed. <laughs> Hadlock Field is a classic, that's for sure. Gareth, you wrap up this series in Portland on Sunday. You're there through the rest of the weekend, and then the Cats are home to take on Reading to wrap up May and begin June. So, with that in mind. How can we follow along on your broadcast between you, the esteemed Bob Lippman, and Steve Goldberg? We're on WGIR, 610 AM on the radio, along with Fox Sports 930. You can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app. And if that's not enough for you, you can uh, watch us live as well. Home games on Bally Live app, the MILB.TV, of course. And uh, between me, Bob Lippman, Steve Goldberg. Um, so we're all, we, we cover all the bases and you can follow me as well on Twitter at HeyGQuok. That's H-E-Y-G-K-W-O-K. HeyGQuok. And you know what? For me, uh, slightly biased here because of my three seasons uh, at Delta Dental Stadium and with the Cats. Fisher Cats Entertainment Experience, you're getting the most bang for your buck on Bally Live and MILB TV. The in-between innings action. Shout out to on-field MC Andrew Murray, a.k.a. Rowdy Red. You essentially get a pay-per-view wrestling showdown with Fisher Cat Sumo if you're tuned in on Bally Live and MILB TV every night there at Club Ned in downtown Manchester. I'm not even kidding you. That's that's probably my favorite in-between inning entertainment is seeing Rowdy Red square off with Bubba Blue and who's going to win it, who's going to throw it down in between the, the game. That might be my favorite in-between inning entertainment I've seen. But, yes, Andrew and uh, the guys, they, they do a phenomenal job. All, all game long to to keep the fans on their toes. Well, speaking of phenomenal jobs, Gareth, a phenomenal debut on Around the Nest. Way to knock it out of the park. You want to talk about your wings getting developed. You're ready to fly out of the nest, my friend, knocking I, it out of the I, park. Am I ready? Am I ready, guys? <laughs> <laughs> you fit right in, Gareth. Thank you very much for joining us from Portland as the Fisher Cats try and take it to those pesky sea dogs and uh, looking forward to having you along as the season continues. Gareth, thank you very much. All right, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. Gareth Kwok, Double A New Hampshire, as he gets set for a game for the, against the Sea Dogs tonight. And wow, two levels updated, and feels like we've been talking for over an hour. A great opportunity for Pat and for Gareth to give us all those insights. And without Andrew Trifley from Single A Dunedin today, it is a little bit of a truncated episode. But here's what I'm going to do. Hi, A Vancouver. We'll hit the bullet points here. Producer Leo. If you need to get out the cane to pull me off the stage, you can do so. You know, you can yank me off. No personal feelings will be spoiled. But just to update everybody on what's been going on for High A Vancouver of late, they wake up this morning with the best winning percentage in the system, but it's just two games above 500 at 21 and 19. They are a game back of first place in the Northwest League. It's a bit of a NASCAR race here in High A 
NBA right now out West. You've got four teams very much in the mix, a fifth team just on the outside looking in, and then the sixth place Hillsboro Hops probably out of it for the first half, which ends on June 22nd, but a great opportunity for the Canadians who are in Spokane for the rest of this weekend to make up some ground and then taking on the other team in the top three spots in the league, Eugene, when they return to Rogers field and at Bailey stadium on Tuesday, May 30th, that's a six game homestand at the 30th through June 4th this week. Specifically, there have been some very impressive offensive performances. In fact, the Canadians in the midst of a two week long road trip, they had to play seven games in six days in Pasco, Washington, taking on the angels affiliate, the tri city dust devils and the Canadians in fact, dropped five of seven against the team. They beat in four of five in April in Vancouver, but tri city is playing some of their best baseball of the year. That's also one of the best pitching staffs in all of high a and as high octane and talented as the Canadians line up may be they ran into the buzzsaw in tri-city didn't help themselves they were batting less than 175 with runners in scoring position in that series after hitting a robust 263 with runners in scoring position in april though once they got to spokane which was certainly a big series that had been circled even weeks ago because the first three games of the year had been rained out so we knew this was going to be an eight game six day series this week here in the lilac city the sea started hot they swept the double header on tuesday morning but have lost two straight on 11-6 beatdown on wednesday but they made it interesting late and then last night thursday night 7-1 going into the top of the ninth, and the Canadians managed to bring the tying run to the plate in the form of Alan Roden. Bases were loaded, two outs, and Roden, who has reached base in 21 straight games. He has been a fantastic surprise this year. Third rounder out of Creighton last season. He's making his high A debut. I'll talk about that more in just a bit. But Roden hits a deep drive to right, and the right fielder catches is it at the base of the wall, eight feet or less shy of being a game-tying grand slam. So Spokane, for their part, the pitching is not good, but the Indians have the best offense in the entire Northwest League and one of the most high-octane offenses in all of high A. So they have certainly showed that off over these last couple of games. But the Seas are going to send reigning Florida State League Pitcher of the Month, Rafael Sanchez, to the mound tonight. That game will be at 635 Pacific, but it'll be in the past by the time people are tuned into this episode. So here's to hoping Rafael Sanchez can turn it around after a rough high A de debut last week. And I have to talk about Josh Kasevich, second round pick out of Oregon last year. He has a hit in seven consecutive games, which is a personal best. And after a semi-slow start to April, he has been fantastic in these last two weeks of May. He has 14 hits in 28 at-bats on this road trip. That's math even I can do. And I got an English degree from a liberal arts college. He's batting 500 since we left Vancouver and has done so. Let's count it up in my head here. Has played in seven of the Canadians' 11 games on this road trip, and he has 14 hits in those seven games played, including his first career four-hit game, which came, took place last week in Tri-City. So Kasevich is heating up. He's among league leaders in batting average as well as on base percentage. And I got to go back to Alan Roden, who wakes up today with a 303 batting average. That's the eighth best in the Northwest League. He's gotten on base in 21 straight games, and it's not like he's walking and getting hit by pitch. He's batting 326, 28 for 86 in his last 21 games, 11 doubles, Two home runs, 17 runs scored, 13 RBI, 11 walks. And yes, he has been hit three times. He leads the, leads the team, that is, in bruises. And then if you extrapolate that out, he's played in 32 games this year. 
the pride of Middleton, Wisconsin, has reached base in 31 of those 32 games, and he will lead off and be the designated hitter in Friday night's game for the Seas as he continues to be a stalwart at the top of the order and a terrific addition in the corner outfield spots in his first full season as a pro. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Rainer Nunez, number 26 Blue Jays prospect who had a breakout 2022 offseason was terrific. In fact, he is the reigning Rookie of the Year in the Dominican Winter League for Estrellas Orientales. They love him still down there in the Dominican. They're always posting about Rainer. And this week, 7 for 15 with three doubles and a homer. His average is among league best. In fact, he's batting 312, fourth highest in the circuit. The power numbers haven't quite been there. In fact, he just hit his second and third home runs of the season on this road trip, but he went a month between his first homer in Everett in April and then his second home run, a 450-foot Ruthian blast at Pasco's Giza Stadium last week. So the power numbers are coming around for Rayner. He had a nine-game hitting streak earlier this season, and in his first 33 games in high A this season, he has 39 hits. And I love using the barometer of where if you're averaging one hit per game played, you're having a really good season. And that is certainly what the case is for Rainer Nunez. A couple of other guys, Gabby Martinez, 32 hits in 33 games. And some surprises like Devontae Brown, who was unsigned out of NC State last year and has made his high A debut this season, has had a six RBI game and a five RBI game. He is behind Rainer, who leads the team with 22 RBI. Devontae from Noonan, Georgia, 21 runs batted in, and he's done that in just 24 games. So Rainer has played in nine more games than Devontae, but only has one more RBI. So despite the fact that the Canadians, who at one point won 12 of 15 games, are scuffling a little bit here at the end of May. The first half ends on June 22nd. The Canadians still in a great spot to win the first half to punch their ticket to the postseason, which begins in late September. And, of course, we've got an entire second half to come as well. Leo Mui, our producer in the chat, talking about Josh Kasovich and his glasses, which was our episode thumbnail for our first episode. And I do believe, Leo, that the glasses and the continued work starting to pay off. Uh, In fact, he has continued to be a stalwart on defense as well. This is a fun team to watch. Even guys like Garrett Spain, 15th round pick out of Austin P State in 2021, spent all last year with Vancouver as kind of the fourth outfielder, began this year on the development list. But this week in two games here in Spokane, four for eight, and he's hit for the cycle, a single, double, triple, and a homer. He's driven in four runs, and he's got six extra base hits in 17 games played. So Brent LaValle, second-year skipper out of North Delta, B.C., he's got the weapons needed. The pitching has been solid for the most part. They've improved on the walks. Trenton Wallace took the loss yesterday, gave up two walks, and struck out eight over five innings. But there have been guys who have been stepping up, even guys like Adam Mako, who, of course, was part of that trade coming over from the Mariners with Eric Swanson in the Teoscar Hernandez deal. He had a bit of a scuffle on Wednesday here in Spokane when he gave up five runs on seven hits over four. But his stuff has been solid. He has looked very comfortable on the mound. And, of course, it's his first season in the Blue Jays org. So imagine you move to a new school as a kid. It's going to take you a little while to find your groove. And for Adam Mako, that groove is coming. So lots of positives for the Canadians. And despite a road trip in which they've won four of 11 games, they're playing close games. They find ways to stay scrappy late. They were trailing 11 to one after six innings on Wednesday night here in Spokane and scored five unanswered between the seventh and the ninth. So while the game got out of hand early, the big inning has certainly been a little bit of a problem for the Canadians pitching staff. The offense is tenacious. You don't see these guys giving away in many outs. And really, especially at this time of the year, 
really great to see these guys continue to find ways to battle. The development is happening. The winning is happening. And we've heard from Pat and Gareth, lots of individual performers doing quite well. And that is certainly the case here in high A as well. One other guy, before I wrap up my monologue about the season, we wrap up this episode, TJ Brock, hard throwing right-hander out of Ohio state, uh, sub one five ERA, a guy who strikes out, opposing batters with a plum as a terrific upper nineties heater. He can rack it up to a hundred miles per hour as needed. And he also has some great breaking stuff. He is that high leverage arm who seems to be coming in games basically every other night. And Brock, certainly somebody to keep an eye on drafted out of Ohio state. So he already has that big time program pedigree and joining the likes of Connor cook and Mason flu Hardy, who were recently promoted to double a TJ Brock next man up to get promoted from Vancouver's bullpen. Certainly a much better month of May up and down the system as opposed to April, which is a little coincidental because the big league club has done the opposite, but it's a long season and a friendly reminder to anybody out there who might be saying, oh, the Blue Jays, they're done for the year. Fire John Schneider. It's May 26th. I get it. It's the AL East. It's the best team or rather best division in baseball that features the best team in baseball in the Tampa Bay Rays. Blue Jays couldn't do anything about that. Yes. Could they beat Tampa Bay instead of losing two out of three? They could have won that series. Sure. But just everybody tuning in who might be thinking it's an emergency at the top level of the ladder. Not yet. May 28th, talent in the system. There are pieces that are going to come back to full health in the big leagues as well as in the upper levels of the minors. And it's only May. And this is coming from a long-suffering Padres fan in Tyler Zickel here in High A Vancouver, who uh, is having a little bit of a similar experience with my hometown club, who have, of course, decided to uh, pay their players a, a GDP of a mid-sized country. And in this case, it's not working so far for the Padres, though the Blue Jays, a game of above 500 as we speak on this Friday, certainly with the pieces to reinforce that big league club this year and in seasons to come, which is one of the many reasons we love Around the Nest each and every episode to talk about the future of the Jays and the not-so-distant future as well. Great place to stop. Long episode today. Many thanks to all for tuning in. We're going to keep it coming. We'll be back two weeks from now. And just a little inside baseball for our listeners we choose the schedule. We go as Pat Malacaro goes because of the one man band that is Pat in terms of his media relations department at Salem field. We got to get those triple a Buffalo Bisons updates and the best time to get Pat is on the road. So if you're looking for new around the nest content, as the season goes along, head to bisons.com, check out their schedule. If Buffalo's on the road, you can almost guarantee that we're going to be recording an episode on the Friday of that road trip. And that was the case for this episode as well. Another fun one, Leo, our producer, certainly getting us going each and every time. Our heart, soul, and spirit, Espirit Accord, Leo Mui. Cheers to you, my friend. Cheers as well to all of our contributors today. Pat Malacaro from AAA Buffalo, Gareth Kwok, making his Around the Nest debut. He's going to fit right in. Looking forward to hearing more of Gareth. And, of course, we'll get Steve Goldberg back along the way. And we will hear from the legendary New Hampshire Broadcasting Hall of Famer, Bob Lippman, as this season continues as well. And I know Andrew Trifley from Single A Dunedin is going to have tons of terrific, terrific tidbits when we catch up with him two weeks from now. But that'll do it for another edition of Around the Nest. Tyler Zickel signing out from Spokane Valley, Washington, where the Canadians wrap up their series with the IA affiliate of Colorado. And if you're in Vancouver next week, won't you join us at Rogers Field at Nat Bailey Stadium Tuesday through Sunday? This has been another edition of Around the Nest.